Good afternoon, Footstock Hub listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Footstock Hub. We've got some very unhappy campers this week, and myself and Mark, as we have been screwed over by the Premier League and the new handball system. Mark, I'll come to you first. Talk me through your thoughts, because I'm assuming it was the same as my thoughts as a Spurs fan. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, uh, well, yeah, good evening to everyone. But uh, yeah, Roy Hodgson, I think, summed it up perfectly. I mean, I thought I was watching the game and uh, it was just absolutely ridiculous. I think the the first uh, first handball, uh, you know, uh, te- about two or three yards from, from Joel Ward, hit his hand, everyone played on. Second one, exactly the same thing. All of a sudden, that's a, that's a penalty. And uh, yeah, like we were chatting beforehand to add insult to injury, I think the uh, in the second half, uh, exactly the same thing happened the other way. A ball hit uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin's hand in the penalty area and uh, no penalty was given. So uh, yeah, inconsistency as well as the stupid rule, I think, uh, made for a, a bit of an irritating weekend for me. But, but never mind, onwards and upwards. Yeah, the, the fact for me is obviously from the Spurs one here at Dart one, you have to physically jump with your arms. You can't jump in the air and challenge somebody like Andy Carroll without jumping with your hands. Like you can't jump like a penguin. Like, do these people never play football in their lives? He's not facing the ball. He's about an inch away from Andy Carroll. I don't get what he can do. Oh, anyway, we're, we're going to move on because we I could be frustrated about that all day. Um, so obviously we've got Mark here. We've also got Gertie and we are also joined this week by Charlie Cresswell uh, from Slack and from Twitter. Charlie, Gertie, how are we, gents? Yeah, good. Cheers, mate. Yeah, lovely to be on. Nice to be finally invited, eh? Absolutely. <laughs> we've got a long list, Charlie. We've got a long list. We're a popular podcast, but clearly not popular enough for Apple to still not have accepted us. So I promise I'm trying my hardest. I've even emailed them directly, but they clearly don't want the joys of the Footstock Club podcast on their uh, solution anymore. So we will get there. I apologise, listeners. So we are recording this on Tuesday, the 29th, which is around three or four hours after the lovely new announcement from Footstock that I'm yet to see past one or two any negative comments. We're going to go straight into that and we'll talk about the football at the weekend later because I feel like that's that's the main reason for the podcast. So I'm just going to read out the, a few bits. From, it, it's a lengthy email. So I'm just going to read out a few bits and we'll have a quick chat. So the first bit of the email is how many player cards are out there? Um, Tom alluded to on Slack before as well that people were guessing way too high and they've got at the minute. So right now, the highest volume player card sits at around 3,500. The average active player card volume is around 1,350. Deal of the day has so far been successful in removing over 6,500 cards from the market, most of which are higher value players with users receiving almost £43,000 in contest credit. Gertie, I will come to you first. In those numbers, are you surprised by how low some of them are or is that roughly where you're expecting? Uh, I've actually just got one up because I think I misread it the first time. I I missed the part where it said that the average um, active card is only 1,300. Um, 50 that's actually yeah so that's the problem I thought the uh, 3,500 was active cards and that's kind of where I expected them to be um, for the the most in supply card but yeah that 1,300 is lower definitely yeah I was exactly the same I thought that was way lower I mean we were talking about obviously Sons last week and I said probably a couple of thousand I think even that I've probably overestimated um, which potentially leads to a problem down the line of oversupply, but we will uh, undersupply rather, but we will come on to that later as that is certainly not an issue we want to be talking about to start with. So again, they, they, they move on to target card volume and each player card will have a target card volume calculated based on our active user base and amended when necessary as we grow. The numbers won't be published yet, but they will be as they move towards full transparency. Card holding limits. So each user will be going forward. You can only hold a maximum of 200 cards, meaning you then can't buy any more of that player from the market. Charlie, are you in the situation where you hold anybody anywhere close to 200 cards? Uh, I'm nowhere near 200. I think 200 is a much higher limit than many expected. I think um, as some people alluded on the Slack when they read the title that there was going to be a limit on the player holds. They thought it was going to be a lot lower, sort of closer to sort of 50, 60. Um, but I do think 200 is uh, really a good limit in the sense it does stop anyone forcing the price of a player. As we said, if there's, say, 1,350 maximum of a player, someone who's been rare the whole time, like Bruno Fernandes, probably I'd expect something like half that. If someone was able to hold more than 200, they could potentially fix the price. Um, and so 200 is a nice limit to stop that. And also to stop people doing 
uh, hoarding just for swaps. But obviously, that's something we'll come on to in a minute. Um, and it's, it's a nice limit. It's a good limit that stops people with uh, really large bankrolls from taking over the market too much. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think it probably would be an issue to many people. I doubt anyone. I mean, I certainly at the minute, I've 200 is my maximum on, on one or two players, um, but I certainly don't hold anymore. And I'd say I've got quite a large collection. Um, Mark, have you got anywhere near that on some of your lower end swap dud players? Yeah, I've got a few actually. I was, I was looking at this this afternoon. Uh, Nicola Tavares, amazingly for me, is who's a, a reserve Palace centre half, is my most. I've got 175 of him I checked. And uh, yeah, it was all because of swaps, basically. And he's not actually left. So um, I'm stuck with him <laughs> for a little bit longer. And uh, I really hope to God he leaves uh, before the 1st of January. Otherwise, I'm really going to be in trouble. But uh, yeah, no, I completely agree with with what Charlie said. I think it's a really good, really good number. I think most people are never going to get anywhere near it. Um, and it does, as I was saying to someone on Twitter earlier today, it does still allow the, the trading element of the platform to continue. You can still invest money in, you know, 17, 18 year old players who then might go on to become the next superstars uh, and keep that element of the platform alive, which which I think is an important element of the platform as well as the uh, the, the, the gambling element. So yeah, all good for me. Yeah, I think 200 is a pretty good limit. Gertie, I know that you're nowhere near, but have you got any kind of big holdings towards that? Um, I've got a few that near the 100. Um Mostly goalkeepers and players that yeah, I was going to get cheap credit and things for. But I think the, the 200 limits uh, is about right, to be honest. I was a bit, as I was slowly working my way down the email, I got worried. And then like once I kept reading, I was like, oh, no, that's OK, because they're going to do that. Because straight away, one of my concerns about them limiting the number of cards on the market is like, well, what happens if everyone holds something? And you can't, and the, the packs won't give out more because it used to be self-regulating. But then you see the limit and you think, OK, you'd need about 10 accounts all working together and then I'd hope Footstop would keep an eye on that anyway. And then when I read that they were going to do the limit, I was thinking, oh, bloody hell, what if the limit's only like 50 and that's stupid? And then they said 200. So I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's about right as well. So that, yeah, by the end of it, I didn't really have any any concerns at all. I thought it was just good. And let's not forget that they can change it as they go once they learn that what works and what don't work. It doesn't have to be perfect on day one. Yeah, exactly that. No, I think we're all in agreement say that 200 is a pretty reasonable number. I think if you've got 200, I think that, that's more than enough of, of a card. You're never going to need that many. Um, so yeah, that's certainly part one of, of the announcement that was very, very good. So now moving on to, for me, this is the most interesting part and the part that I don't think anybody has really discussed at any stage. So we knew the packs were coming back, but they have now put in big, bold letters, whenever someone buys a pack, they now support the market. What a U-turn that is, even though Gertie will tell us different, but we'll go on to that later. So they're saying, say you receive a Harvey Barnes card in the pack. Footstock will automatically buy one Harvey Barnes from the market. This results in no additional Harvey Barnes cards being added to the market, which provides greater liquidity with the lowest sell order being cleared in the process. The only time this won't happen is if the player in question has dropped significantly below their target card volume. This mechanic results in player cards only being added through packs when their supply is under target levels. Mark, what was your first thoughts when you read that part of the announcement? I have to admit, as someone who's been let down by Harvey Barnes an enormous amount in the virtuals, I was quite relieved that they used uh, <laughs> they used him as the example. That was that was quite reassuring. We don't don't want any more of them out there. Um, no, I mean, I, I thought it was, I thought it was a really, really, uh, you know, bold step actually. In fairness to to Footstock, and I mean, I think credit to uh, to, to Oliver and Tom and, and the whole team. I mean, what what they're basically putting out here, I think, is that they're putting users' concerns about the total value of their collection, which you know, I know we've all got views about, but they're putting that basically ahead of their own ability to to, to make money. I think in in the long term here. And uh, whilst clearly they'll, as we'll get onto, they'll make money through auctions and they'll make money through through new packs. The fact that they've decided that they don't necessarily just purely want to let the market uh, effectively um, drive drive demand through supply and demand, and that, that they're actually you know doing this this buyback mechanism, I think is a uh, is is a really good thing. Um, I mean, clearly from from their perspective, they're they're a commercial company, and what their own little bet on this is the fact that you know the user base will continue to demand and uh, continue to increase, and uh, and therefore they're not actually going to lose any money out of this, and. Uh, and, and ideally, we'll we'll continue to to, to make money on, on on each pack, you know. But uh, no, I, I thought all credit to them. And uh, given the the rough couple of months that people have had, uh, I think on on the platform, particularly those who joined during COVID and maybe paid peak prices for for some cards that have seen them drop quite significantly, uh, I, I think it was a good move and, and well done to them. You know what? One thing that I actually thought is quite an overriding 
point from the whole email is how confident they are in their own products is that they're making so many of these changes that not a risk as such but you wouldn't do it if you didn't have 100% confidence that you're going to get the new users and that you're going to keep growing and, and the demand's going to keep going so that was my overriding thought definitely uh, i was going to say i think it's also worth considering that fr- from what we've seen we obviously had the huge huge numbers of sign up um, sort of mid covid uh, lockdown when everyone was getting on with virtuals because it wasn't real football and the huge number of users that flocked in then during that time there was a lot of pack offers they were doing i think for a while there was a two for one hundred pound sign up offer which obviously flooded the market a bit but considering that for them supplying a card in a pack doesn't actually cost them anything for them to put a son in a pack cost them nothing they will have made honestly streams of money at that point i i think a big thing that they're able to do now is because we had we've had some peaks and troughs with users and a lot have joined bought a few packs and left they've made significant amounts of money for that which means they can now do things like deal of the day they can now buy players off the market so in many ways what people complained a little bit about was how prices dropped after those players left it's ended up benefiting the product long term because they have more money to invest in what they see as the future of the product yeah exactly that and then you tell you what else is hilarious the fact that people have come on and left in two weeks and have then slagged off the products you are the ones that have funded this so thank you very much because you have helped footstock no end um gertie in terms of the the buying packs now supporting the market we all know you are notorious for a it doesn't matter let them keep opening packs what was your thoughts when you saw this but yeah i think it's clever it's i think what this has done now is in the past when um, when if people leave and we had that crazy sign up period and then naturally like everyone that comes on some are going to want to go but they all kind of leave um, some cards behind that get split between that's left so in the past that would kind of spread around to everyone else and then the market prices drop and everyone moans about supply and demand and all that stuff so what that what's now happening is that footstock have almost taken that viability onto themselves and they've said, well, if people leave, then we adjust the number of cards in the market and we buy them off you, basically. Um, so, yeah, like w- w- the other guys have said, really, they're just completely backing themselves that we'll, it doesn't matter because we're confident that the customers will grow. And if the customers grow, we will need to sell them cards. So it's as simple as that, really. So um, th- they've got all the, all the figures. They've got all the number and the data in the background to see where the problems are and i'm sure they'll be doing their best to buy the cards off us as cheaply as possible and then to sell them back to us three months later as expensive as possible which is how they make money and it's our it's our decision on whether we want because let's not forget they can't buy a card off us unless we've listed it for sale anyway and then it's for us to try and beat footstock and sell at a competitive price and then at some point they'll say well we don't want to buy them off you anymore and, and we work like that I'll tell you what the more i think about this email the whole thing they really have smashed it out of the park it is generally amazing i read it i was on a ppa at work it was two o'clock at three and i planned to do loads of work and it popped up and i thought you know what they have absolutely smashed this out of the park um charlie are you much of a, a pack man are you were obviously with the new player packs have you been chasing them or open a lot of the normal ones see i had some uh, extraordinary luck when they first came out i decided to get one the the minute verna was in packs and my first pack up up popped uh, mr verna so that was a nice little nice bit i wanted to keep him rather than sell him because obviously i thought he was going to be more useful than maybe he has been um and I, I jumped on a second new players pack when I got about 40 quid win from a free uh, free roll and upped popped uh, James Rodriguez. So um, I sort of left it at that for now. I feel like I'm riding my luck here. But uh, no, I do think packs are good, but I would like to see. I think the biggest problem for me with packs is new users not understanding packs and market, especially in my opinion. I love most almost everything Footstock has done, but I do think the new app having the shop much more prominent than the market really will confuse some users, which is why one of the ideas I've put out there is locking the shop for 24, 48, 72 hours or until they've completed a small tutorial. Because I just think, for me, I understand if I'm buying, there's a big risk. I might lose out, and that's fine because I've got the bankroll to do it or whatever. But a new user coming on with, say, £100, go, oh, I'll buy a £100 pack to get the players I want, not realizing the risks involved with that. Um, but I do think this whole new method of taking players off the market if they need to from packs is, is perfect for what the market needs at the moment. Footstock can literally flick the switch now in pretty much whatever direction they want. If they need to add supply, they can do it just like that. If they need to remove supply, they can do it just like that. If they need to add 
prices or whatever it might be They're, everything is now in their hands not that it wasn't i'm sure they knew full well what they were doing anyway regardless of the jobs they they probably weren't worried because they knew what was coming down the line but that's certainly what i feel like you just said charlie that actually now all the liability is on footstock and they kind of they now play it the way they want to play it and we just have to try and beat them as such um so yeah just on that Callum, i think i think one of the things that is going to be quite interesting is combining exactly what you've all said there with the full transparency bit because you would think the one thing that they would want to have up their sleeves is that they will know how many players uh, are, you know, getting close to their target limit or how many are actually, you know, oversupplied, et cetera, et cetera. Because it's that sort of information that's absolutely crucial to determining whether, you know, effectively a player's ultimate price. And, and the fact, I mean, they haven't been very clear about what full transparency absolutely means. And that's entirely fair enough. I, I, I'd be in their position. I wouldn't be being fully transparent at all. But uh, I think they are going to have to think quite carefully about that because, you know, whilst most people on the platforms, their fundamental purpose for being on the platform is to, you know, to pick teams and, and, and to win money. Uh, if you had the time and the inclination, you could probably gain quite a bit of it. So, you know, people like Gertie and, and others have managed to work out how the virtuals work. If someone worked out how the market worked, then uh, by God, that, <laughs> that could could cause a few problems. So, uh, yeah, they'll have to think a little bit carefully about how transparent they actually really are. So just, I, I might be wrong. So I might say there's too many songs. Are they saying that they will, won't come out in packs until some of them have gone? Or am I wrong in thinking that? No, I think how it will work is that all the cards will come out in packs. But if there are too many, then they'll buy one back. Right, I've got you. So then, for example, I mean, think PP put it on Slack. So if Ollie Watkins comes out now, they're not going to buy him back because he's a new player card. But if a Kevin Long, who every man under the sun has got about 200 Kevin Longs for, for no reason, they'll buy him back, right? And then you, that, so that all that does is keep things as they are now. But then you've got two things that the two variables really are the other new customers coming in, which will bring the the, the demand up so then they haven't got to reduce the supply but then also they have deal of the day which can turn it the other way they are clever they are very very clever yeah i mean genuinely because i mean we've all been talking about how many different ways they can reduce supply not one person i've seen anyway has suggested oh if it comes out in a pack why don't footstop buy it back um yeah very very good very interesting and we will move on um mark you're probably kind of in the best place to answer this question again with, with your kind of so rare experience they've talked about the player auctions and moving forward we'll introduce new players to the footstock platform via player auctions new players will be identified and then added to the auctions area of the site the auction area will show users which players are available how many of them will be auctioned, and when the auction closes so say for example Messi's being added to the platform it may be 100 lean or messy cards to be auctioned. Users can then place a limited number of bids. When the auction ends, the highest 100 bids would be successful and the player added to those users' collections. Those users can then choose to keep the player or add them to the market to be traded, uh, to be traded as normal. By bringing in players via auctions, it will add an extra daily excitement to footstock. It also allows us to bring that player up to a target card volume without seeing irrational pricing in the market. Now, I think you put on Twitter earlier, Mark, about is it going to be a, what kind of auction? I think I saw footstock reply saying it's going to be a completely blind auction. Um, so what's your initial thoughts on the whole player auction? Yeah, no, exactly. So, I mean, just for the benefit of others, I mean, what, what they basically said was, yes, it's going to be a complete blind auction. And the logic behind that will be that, you know, they won't end up with IPOs on football index where, you know, things crash, you know, because everyone's bidding in the last minute or so, or, you know, um, uh, ending up with situations where people penny war over over players. So, yeah, completely, completely understand why they're doing it as, as a blind auction. I mean, for, for me, this is probably, well, there's there's two bits of the announcement that, you know, on a scale of one to 10, I'm, I'm pretty delighted with all of it. But this was one I was a bit, bit iffy about. Um, my, my only concern about this is a bit like Charlie was saying earlier, he bought a pack and he opens it up and there's a banner in it. And that's that's in some ways quite a nice leveler on the platform in the sense that it doesn't matter whether you're, you know, you've got thousands of pounds, whether you've got, you know, a tenner, you've still got the opportunity to, to get some of the best players out of um, and then compete with, uh, with with people across the rest of the platform. My only slight concern about this auctioning is that it is going to be a bit of a race to the top as opposed to the race to the bottom. And you do run the risk, which you do have on platforms like so rare that, that you alluded to there, Callum, that effectively the people with the most money end up with the most the best teams and then that sort of re you know sort of circulates itself they, they tend to win more tournaments and therefore get more cards and therefore tends to be better than everybody else and that's that's i suppose my only slight concern with these auctions that 
as long as they do them in a way where they probably have enough players coming out at the same time, perhaps they limit the number of people. They've said they're going to limit the number of bids that, that people put in. They might need to think about the number of wins that people could have on auctions. Uh, otherwise, it does run the risk of effectively, you know, alienating a, a chunk of people out of the market from competing in, in the pros and, uh, and some of the higher end competitions for me. Yeah, that's a very interesting point. My first thought on it was just the fact that I'm going to have no idea what to bid on a player uh, if I'm going to be well over, if I'm going to be well under. Obviously, none of us have been in this situation. We know full well that, I mean, for example, I sold a Hammers Rodriguez um, Saturday for, for 90 quid, which in my mind is ridiculous. But say a, I don't know who's a similar player, uh, Isco, for example, same he came to the Premier League. Would he? Would I need to bid 150 to get him? I don't really know. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're all quite in the air, but I, I, that's the first time I've thought that. But, yeah, it's, it's a good point. Um, but are people going to then be overpaying and then be burned and then not bid on the next ones? I'm not, uh, again, this is all speculation. Um, Charlie, what were your thoughts on the, the auction when you saw that come out? I think it's going to be, I, I'm very cautious about this part. I love everything up to this point. This one I'm a bit more cautious on, partially for the reasons Mark said, which are very valid. I do think there's a, a, a big fear that bankroll will play a part, but I do think there's necessarily a benefit, assuming there's no reserve price. It could be something that people have a bit of fun, like, oh, I'll put five pounds in on a bail. And it turns out only 99 people have actually put proper money in and you get a bail for five pounds. Um, my big fear is A, the bankroll, um, but B is how they're going to control these players going onto the market if they're limiting how many you can buy. Because if they say you can buy five, then it could be that just 20 people buy all 100 by bidding really high, in which case you've got the supply problem. They can set the price of 500 pounds now. Or you've got the opposite problem, whereas if you only allow one each, well, then no one's going to sell because you're going to want the best players in your team. James Rodriguez being the example, as you said, no one's going to want to, if the reason he was so expensive is because everyone wants to keep him because he's doing well. So I'm a bit cautious about how they're going to do this. Original, uh, Originally, I thought about potentially doing similar to FIFA, or if people know FIFA cards, they have a minimum and maximum price on cards. So they could say, say, a four-star card has a minimum bid price of £3 or £5 and a maximum bid price of, say, £75. But then you have the problem of, is everyone just going to bid £75 for the top price? I, I don't know the answer. I'm sure Footstock have a better idea than I. As you said, Zemo's knocked out the park in ways most of us couldn't imagine. So I'm sure they have a way. But I do think it's something that there needs to be taken quite seriously to make sure it doesn't damage uh, the ability for everyone to take part. Yeah, that's a very, very interesting point. Gertie, what's your kind of response to Charlie or just in terms of the player option? Yeah, I've just been frantically reading the email again because I had a different interpretation to what those two guys, and I don't know, maybe this is right, maybe this is not, but I assumed that the auction would just be a way of dumping a lot of the new card on really quickly and getting the money fast, and then they would still be in packs uh, as normal for anyone else after the initial batch of auctions. So let's say they wanted to quickly get 500 of a card onto the platform. They might auction one or 200. And where in the past those one or 200 people or one or 200 cards would have only been got by people smashing the packs and buying the packs and selling and buying, which everyone kind of hates and everything like that. Well, now they can just buy the specific card they want. They're already on the platform, which stop these crazy prices that we always see and everyone knows they're like oh that price will drop down over the next couple of weeks as a few hundred come out well that doesn't happen anymore because straight away we got loads dumped on to the people that want them or the people that want them to trade the card and then people the others that think oh i don't want to risk bidding 60 70 pound in a in an auction they can go in the packs and for a while footstock won't buy the card back from, uh, from packs because the supply is low and then you have a few months and then once you hit the limit then footstock do their buyback thing um, and work it like that. That's how I interpret it. I didn't think it would be if 500 will be on the platform, then bang, we do all the auctions and that's the only way you can get it. No, I, I do. I, I did agree. I do think they'll be in packs, but we saw how long it took. Have, uh, was it Gareth Bale? I remember I got one, at, uh, another new players pack. I got Gareth Bale in quite early. And I remember for a while I was the highest bid and then I started at 200 pounds and just went down by 10 pounds until someone matched with me. Um, but we saw how long it, it took a about two hours before anyone else listed a Gareth Bale. And even if they dump 200 onto the market, people have a limited bankroll. Like I, I've got a certain amount I'm willing to spend and do with, I'm not going to bid 50 pounds and buy a pack. So if people see bidding as the option, or auctioning as the option, buying through the auction, then maybe they won't be opening the packs. So you'll still end up with the same issue of only the 
auction ones or the players facts. I do think you're right, though. It gets more into the market quickly for trading, buying and using. But I'm not convinced it's going to cause the drop in price that as quickly as many would expect. From devil's advocate, surely a new player should be more expensive initially as they are newer and rarer or am I on my own in that for I think that's I, I think at the moment that's the way it's always been in reality okay maybe they're a bit fancy and a bit new but why should they really be that much different to all the rest I think it makes the platform flatter I think it's strange if you're a new sign up and you see Timo Werner is double the price of a, a Kevin De Bruyne or something like that when he first comes out or Gareth Bale 180 pound but I think it's a bit weird I think what a lot of the, a few of the guys on the, the chat have said in the past is anyone that's been on the platform for a while is in a bit of a luxury position. Like right now, you could ask me for the three rarest players and I could probably have a pretty good guess at them, knowing on players that have never left the four-star category ever. So you've got Trent and it's the, pretty much the only thing. Other like Trent should probably be the most expensive defender, but possibly not by the margin he is at the moment. And that is just because he has never been below a four-star, so he's always been really rare and his supply is so low. New science won't have that, whereas with this dumping the cards and all the new cards having the same, uh, roughly the same on the market as the old cards, it keeps everything as a, as a bit of a leveller for that point of view. I think this is one of the things, I mean, Footstock have got a bit of a dilemma here, haven't they? Because I, I suspect that um, the... I mean, I don't have this data. This is just me guessing, looking at the various different tournaments, et cetera, that have been played out since the start of the new season. Is that when the, well, obviously beforehand, those of us who were on the platform last year know that, you know, you often with pros, you might have only had 20 people in a, in a pro tournament if it was a single match one. And, you know, even the large ones might have only had 80 to 100 people. Now, virtual smash that out of the park. All of a sudden, you were getting hundreds of people entering. You were getting, um, you know, huge prize pots. And as we talked about on the pod last week, uh, you know, as a result, people were prepared to pay large amounts of money for players because the prize pots were so high. The two things were clearly connected. I think what's probably happening at the moment is that Footstock are not seeing as many people entering some of those tournaments as they expected for the new season. And as we've talked about before, part of that is because people have put their teams in the 100K and then they're not spending the money on the players for, for the new one. So... You, you, you've got two options there. You either reduce the cost of entry by making the, the some of these new players that everyone needs because they're all doing really well cheaper and therefore people get them and then they enter the tournaments. Or you carry on with a situation where people continue paying higher amounts of money for those. Now, if Footstock are now controlling the market a bit more through this mechanism, which, which they are, from their purposes, it doesn't matter so much how much the player is costing from the market, if you see what I mean. So as a result, trying to get more... Uh, more people to have more of the players that they would then feel confident to enter pro tournaments is, is I think, part of the strategy behind how they're doing the player auctions and, and, and behind this email, in essence. It's about trying to open up the, uh, you know, open up the competitions to larger numbers of people and therefore try and get a bit more excitement back that way. I can see Gertie scratching his head here thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just thinking because it's an interesting point because I've actually had myself in that dilemma. Last week, I come up with a new strategy where I was going to enter more competitions and try and cover different lineups. And then this weekend, um, fortunately, I, I would have lost anyway because I wanted to cover various Chelsea lineups in lots of my different uh, teams. But because I didn't have an abundance of Werners and Havertz and things like that, I didn't bother entering, which was lucky because it wouldn't have won me any money anyway. But that was the reason behind me not entering. I'm just, I'm just thinking because the, the benefit of a market price is being high when there's auctions coming up is because the higher the market is, the more people are likely to bid when they're auctioning. If Salah's 100 quid, then the team I won't is probably going to get a bid on at about 100 quid or something like that because it's all it's all relative. Like Because no one really knows what a card is worth as much as we, we preach, or you can do it this way, you can do it that way. All anyone really does is look at the market and go, oh, he's about the same as that guy, or he's not as good as him, but he's, he's a bit better than that one, and so I'll pay in the middle. So it, it's interesting. But then if they... If they go the other way and say, well, we're happy for prices to drop, but we think we're going to be able to sell more of the card to, to the users instead, and then, and then they'll enter tournaments. Yeah, it's, it's just interesting. That's why I was scratching my, my chin. I also think, <laughs> sorry, just quickly, I just think it's also worth considering how much money this will make Footstock and 
what they can do with that. Just take the Messi example. I think if Messi came in, there would be people comfortably bidding two hundred pounds for him. I, I honestly think that would be at least the average for a hundred. So if there's a hundred of those, that's twenty thousand pounds they've made by literally just listing a card that costs them quite literally zero. It's unlike packs. There's no tournament credit in their deposit bonuses. They could list a hundred Messi's. I honestly think they would make twenty thousand pounds from that. And that's a day at the flick of a switch. And they'd want more than 100 messies in, I imagine. 100 was the example they used, but you'd want more of that so people had a chance. So even if the average price came down to, say, 150 pounds, but they listed 300, there's now 45,000 pounds. That's that's like so much money they could spend on. Think of Facebook advertising. I've done some Facebook advertising before. I did 1,000 pounds and we reached over a million people. 45 grand, you could reach half of bloody Europe. And so I really do think we need to realize how good auctioning could be for Footstock to just have money to grow their the user base with. Yeah, exactly that. And you know, I think that's why obviously they're now paying a bit back on packs so they're not making as much. But like you said, the, the auctions are going to make them a stupid amount of money. And like you said, that's one player. Say they put in what five players a day for five days say they put in 25 players a week with these new Let, let's imagine they were all of a sudden going to open up to the champions league and europa league players <laughs> and all those to the market what funny timing that would what, be what are the chances gay <laughs> yeah i mean we'll come on to that now um so yeah say they're going to do what 10 let's go 10 players over five days so that's what 50 players let's say on average 50 quid 250 oh, my maths is gone but basically a lot of money first off can make it they are in a very 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 good position um and it, the better position they're in it means the better that we get i mean i have no doubts in my mind that the very minimum next year of that 100k is going to be 200k at least i wouldn't uh, i i think i if i had to put be a, a gambling man now i would say half a million it will be because they've seen you've seen how big they've pushed it as a marketing tool and i do think it's been relatively effective and i think a bigger thing would be is if you have a 100k one year and people hear about it but oh it's 100k it's not that they're not interested in the money but it's the first time they've heard of it then they hear the next year that not only is it coming back but it's five times as big that's such a selling point people won't be bought in the first time or may not understand it but as the product grows more people talk about it in general they'll suddenly see a 500k bite your hand off and we hopefully can all make some money from it yeah i, I definitely agree with that i mean you look at fan team i mean fan team has got a million uh, and you know they're not that much bigger than than footstock in terms of the the number of people that, that are entering i mean the, the only thing i would say back to my point about the tournaments though is that I think Footstock did really well with the with 100k this year. It has been a real, you know, sort of honeypot basically for, for for the product. But one of the things I think they are going to probably need to do is put a bit more money into some of the tournaments in order to go back to my earlier point, which is getting more people to enter those tournaments because they feel the pots are, are worthwhile. That that's the bit perhaps they haven't done as much of this this new season that that they did last year. Yeah, I mean they went from 10. 10- K free roll, didn't they? To 100k in a year, so that's 10 times. I mean, I'm not, I'm not expecting them to go to a million next year. Um, just on the tournament prize spots, because Gertie, we've seen, and I'm, a, I disagree with you completely, and so to a lot of people, you're not bothered about big prize spots at all, are you? Tell us why. It's, it's not that I don't like big prize spots. Like everyone likes big prize spots, but for me, you've got to remember that the reason they're big is because you're playing against more people, so it's harder to win. So it doesn't. It's all. It all kind of goes up together. Uh, so I'm not fussed. Like one of the things that I'm looking forward to coming on Footstock is um, either that I think there's um, where you can just go one on one, like a heads up, like in a poker game, just one on one, and play one person on a weekend. And I reckon right up until the last kick of the ball in the last game, you've got a chance of winning that because yeah, you just it's probably not going to be much in it. But then also there's the double your money ones where 100 people enter, the top 50 double their money, and it, them cards on they're not big prize pots, but um, they're just as fun to me as like it's, I, I compared it, and it was a bit tongue in cheek, but I did compare it to buying a lottery ticket. Like, well, that's the biggest prize pot in the world, buy a lottery ticket. And it's like, well, I'm not going to win it, am I? It's the same thing. It's like the bigger the prize pot, the less likely you are to win it. The only one small caveat, maybe, is that if it's lots of people entering duplicate lineups and lots of people, and with more users entering tournaments probably means more users entering bad teams in tournaments as well, picking people that aren't starting or if they're jamming in a fifth team, they might not be as good as the people that are just entering one team each because your one team's normally your, your best team and then your fifth team's kind of a, just in case that that left-back scores a goal or something like that. So, But that, that's kind of where it comes from. You've got to be careful about talking about multiple teams with Mr Callum, who's in uh, 25 teams a weekend plus. 
Hey, I don't back against myself. I just back more with myself. So it's either going to be, like, I mean, this week I had a bit of a mare. Um, I, I think I came a couple of caches, but I certainly lost a bit of money. Um, but like I was saying last week, I had five or six of my players in every lineup is exactly the same. I just back myself to either win really big or win nothing at all. And over the season, touch wood, I'm hoping it's going to pay off. Um, I think it just depends how many spares win, doesn't it, Callum? Because you had a bad week this week, a good week the week before, and a bad week the week before. Right, uh, we'll talk about the football later, but, and you're going to laugh at me as an Arsenal fan, I know we drew to Newcastle, right? But I am now more positive about this first team than ever. We played really well without Regulon, without Bale, with Ndombele and the Celso still not played together. We're still going to get a top-class centre-half in. The, uh, Marino's already said that. We're still going to get a backup striker. I know Son's now injured, but I'm now more positive than ever. So Son and Kane go in every team. I don't care. They go straight in. Whoever we're playing, Arsenal away, we'll stick them in. Um, but yeah, tournament. No, not not <laughs> tonight. I think tonight. I've seen Mourinho's press conference saying, I'd love to be attack and try and win this, but we can't. So, so great. I won't expect a lot tonight then. Um, anyway, we'll move on before we, we run over to that, that game. Um, next one, Mark. Again, this is, I'm going to come to you first because I know this is certainly a strategy of yours. Card circulation and card swaps. So currently when a player leaves the Premier League, a user has two options. They can either swap the player for contest credit or swap the player for an active player. The option to swap for an active player adds a lot of cards to the market and therefore doesn't work with their new model. So from the 1st of January 2021, they'll be removing the option to swap the player card for another player card. From that point on, when a player leaves the Premier League, you can they will remain active if moving to a club in Champions League slash Europa League competition, or they will go inactive if moving outside of the Premier League and not joining a club in CL slash EL competition. In this case, the player could be swapped for contest credit over the 30 days following their status change. So you've obviously got I think you still hold quite a lot of swaps and now obviously your only option is to hold them in the hope that they come back and will be of use in future or you bank on for example I'm certainly banking on us expanding one day to the Bundesliga and, and Sarnes etc or you sell them obviously to the market you now cannot swap if they've been kind of past that tournament credit range Um, when you read that were you a little bit disappointed or were you kind of expecting it? Yeah, no, definitely. It's a shame Jay Fraz isn't here to, to back me up on this one. But uh, yeah, I think because uh, I know what Gertie's view is. But uh, yeah, no, I think I think my uh, my well, mine and his days as uh, junk bond uh, footstock traders are uh, is uh, is definitely disappearing. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I, in fairness, it's I, I can completely see why they've done it. it. It doesn't fit with the new model that they're they're talking about. And um, yeah, whilst I, I think you know something that was very generous from Footstock when it first started has has come back to bite them in the fact that you know there were people like me who could pick players up for six or seven p or, or one or two p in the the good old days and uh, you know can can cash them in for for twenty or thirty times that which you're never going to be able to do at the, uh, the the top end of the market. So so completely completely understand why why they've done it. Um, I think the only thing and and good you know that they stuck to their principles as well of giving us a, a reasonable notice period. I am quite pleased that basically we're, we're being told this in in what the end of September and it's going to kick in on the 1st of January so, so we've all got time to to adjust our our holdings accordingly I mean I think the the only thing I would say that they're just going to need to be careful of and, and perhaps that there might need to be uh, an alternative strategy is that you do run one of the, the real benefits of the swap system I think was that a lot of players at the bottom end of footstock so you might talk about maybe you know up to probably about 20% of the platform of players who don't play regularly, who get a little bit of Carabao Cup action in, in sort of September, October time, and uh, and that then become next to useless, had a value. And effectively, there was, you know, I joke about it being a junk bond market, but there, there was effectively a trading value at the bottom end of the market of people who explicitly looked at players who they could pick up cheap with the prospect of, of swapping them. Um, when you remove that, you've still got it there to a certain extent with tournament credit, as, as they've said, for, for that 30 day window so i think they kept that slightly open uh, but we do i think want to run avoid the risk of of the uh, the market being effectively a two-tiered market where you have a set of coveted players that you know everybody's after and are actively competing against and then just a set of people that never get traded just because no one's interested in them basically because that's what you've got on things like football index and to a certain extent you've got that on so rare and others is that there's the haves and the have-nots and, and Footstock was always very good, I think, at, at making almost every player valuable for some sort of reason. Um, but yeah, completely understand why they did it. And uh, 
yeah, RIP uh, that particular end of uh, of my my trading. It was fun while it lasted, but uh, yeah, I've I've been found out. Yeah, no, it, it's certainly again. I think it's something that needed, and it never really made sense to me that uh, a rubbish, injured, relegated player, etc., could then be worth more than what they were not. So I, I can see why they've done it. Absolutely, um, Charlie, is the the swaps going to affect you in any way? No, I've never I've never managed to to work swaps to my favour. I think I saved when David Silva left and he was a three star, I think I saved a few for that. And I think I got zero players worth more than he was if I sold him on the market. So uh, I think swaps isn't really been my thing. Um, I just really I've used them for tournament credit a couple of times when Watford went down. I'd bought a few of the Troy Deanies to get um, some credit for him. But I, I think Mark's point about make, giving some value to bottom players is less true now than it was when we had Pogba and Sterling down as one and two star. I think there's just never going to be that much value in one or two stars because having a, so many players above them. Uh, so there's what, I think it's 500 or something that's two star. And then there's just not going to be enough players who start regularly that will ever be one star to make it worthwhile. I quite like the idea of doing something along the lines of trade in 10 different one star players and get slightly more than 60p per player in tournament credit. So trade 10 different one star players in and get say eight pounds in credit. It would encourage people to buy from the market. You could even make more if you managed to get some nice low bids in. And it would also keep that pool of one star players trading and uh, I, I just don't know I don't know how to give, give them value when they're realistically never going to be useful for tournaments their, their real value is just as a trade-in eventually or the hope that one of them becomes good yeah Gertie, do you think that they will with the swap for a player going do you think that that will affect the credit that they're willing to give out oh good question um I don't know because I guess they could drop it as low as as low as they wanted really and it's just about what they what they deem as fair. But I mean, there's nothing in the past that says they wouldn't be fair. And they've always kind of tried to do it on the average price. But then if the average price is dropping because people don't think they're going to be able to swap anymore, then yeah, it could be a chicken or the egg thing. But I think if they left it at more or less what it is at the moment, it's pretty fair because a lot of these cards, I was buying like a 38-year-old Glenn Murray and I was buying him only because I wanted the tournament credit. So I'd, I'd always pay... Um, someone 20% less than the tournament credit. So I think there will be some sort of market in there for players that are pretty useless. And then back to your point, really, I know it's been a bit of a nice gravy train, but if a, if a player is useless, then sometimes we just have to accept that they are useless. A lot of these one stars will end up being half decent or not, even if they're not half decent, they'll end up with games as we've seen in the Carabao Cup recently. There's been plenty of cards that we all thought were useless. Uh, a little while ago, and then they're, they're, they're returning some good cash, like Robson Carnu won me the amateur last week. And um, yeah, I wouldn't have put him down as a, a top top Premier League player. Yeah, I, I, um, I've i done this. I was just thinking, saying to you like earlier, um, I've started to try and now, I'm getting rid of my useless players, and I've, I've held on to them because I've always felt like there was some kind of value. But I, I was looking through early, and I've still got like 40 Czech Quixotes at, at Palace, and I'm never, ever, ever going to put him in a tournament. So what is the point in me in me holding him? I mean, I was saying again, I've got about 30 Laportes. I'm only ever going to use him in maybe a single game here or there or the odd beginner. I don't need 30, even though I think he's a good player. Same for Joe Gomez. I was holding about 30 and yeah, he was about £2. I'm thinking, am I really going to put him in a tournament? No. Why do I need him? So now my personal route is I'm going down and right, get rid of all the rubbish I don't ever use. And I'm going all in on the tournament players I want a lot of and actual promising youngsters that now that there is a bit of that rarity, I now have faith that I can buy those youngsters with my knowledge. And if they do become better, they will then become a lot more worthwhile and the prices will go up. So I'm now a lot more confident going down that route, whereas at the minute I've kind of just if I've got some rubbish in a pack, I just keep it just in case. Whereas now I'm like, no, it's not happening. The, The rubbish is going and I want a big cash balance for the Champions League and Europa League packs. So they are coming out. Um, the first one, it doesn't say actually, but I, I think it's within the next week. It may be somewhere later. Um, so then naturally intend to add players at a very gradual pace to minimise the impact on the existing player pool. The core focus of the products will remain in the Premier League. There'll be just as much use for a Premier League card as ever before. But within the next few weeks, they will start to add European players who face Premier League opposition on Champions League or Europa League game day one, and then other players from Champions League, Europa League groups that include English teams. So these will be added in small batches via auction. 
We'll keep these volumes lower than the Premier League cards as a section of our users will be happy just to focus on the Premier League. And then moving into early 2021, we'll add further players for the knockout rounds before their focus shifts to the summer and Euro 2021. Gertie, I'll come to you first. Is there, I haven't prepped you for this question, so you may not know the answer. Is there one or two players that you are majorly going to be targeting that you feel like you may be able to get for a reasonable price in the Champions League or Europa League? Uh, probably not. I'm a, I'm a Premier League guy, really. Um yeah, I think with this whole announcement, the only good thing is that a lot of people were a bit scared of these new players coming in because they were thought that all the attention would go off their Premier League players and all the prices would drop. But I think we can quite clearly see now that whatever people are paying for these is just going to get um, used as funding to reduce the Premier League supply until they're kind of at a nice balance. Um, so that's, the, that's the only thing I was interested in. So that's a pretty boring answer to your question. No, it's fine. I actually think that, I mean, on the auctions, I'll, I want to get involved. So I'll probably try and bid for one of each player. I'm not going to go, oh, I want five messes or whatever, because what they're useful once every three weeks and I'll probably stick them in one tournament. So I think even though people will want them, I can't see people going, oh, I'm going to go and bid for 10. I don't quite see that happening. Um, Charlie, is there any one or two that you're majorly interested in? So I may be the bearer of bad news here, but I'm not convinced this is the right time for Footstock to introduce the Champions League and Europa League. I know that goes against the grain of everyone else, but I've been thinking about this for a while and I, I love Footstock. I have total faith in them as a, as a product in the future, but I, I think it's early for me. I think they should wait until after Euros and introduce a few during the Euros and test how it affects the market. I think realistically, if you keep an eye on the Footstock Slack and you look at the leaderboards, it really is quite a small but active user base at the moment. And I think it's something spreading the market a bit thinner, which is realistic to what it's doing. We haven't seen the sort of growth that we saw during the virtuals over COVID. Um, I think it's a bit early. There are players I think that are going to be really good value, and I do think it adds a fun dimension. But my, my opinion is it is a, a little early. But there's some players that I think you can get great value out of. Dimitri Payet, we all remember him from his West Ham days, but he's going to be a lot cheaper than expect. People often, I think, uh, forget how good some of the attacking midfielders are in Europe. I think Di Maria, he'll be overshadowed by, Mes, uh, by Neymar and Mbappe, but he's absolutely class in the Champions League, and I think he'll he'll come good. And there's also going to be a lot of um, second string um, Champions League players, players who wouldn't start in the 11, but once a team has qualified and they have an easier match, they may play. If PSG have got a match left and they've already qualified, they could stick on some of their youth. And there are some really good youth players all over Europe that I think um, could be really valuable to people. But I'm interested, it makes the Champions League draw and the Europa League draw 10 times more interesting than it's ever been. Um, if you see a very easy Liverpool group or a very easy, say, um, Barcelona group, but Barcelona haven't got any uh, Europe, uh, any Premier League teams, then you're going to have to look out for who performs for them for when the knockout stages come. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I think it is quite a nice time. I can't see, unless someone's really stupid, I can't see people selling up to to go and buy more. But you know what? I'm now fully in the camp of if people want to sell up and give me their players for cheap, send them my way. Because even the little rise today, I'm a bit like, oh, stop, stop. I don't want to pay that much for, for some players. I'm so used to these prices now. Um, I could be completely wrong, but in my opinion, I can't see people selling up to or selling a, a batch of players very cheaply to fund players that are going to be useful once a month. I could be wrong. I think where, I think where they've been really clever, though, Callum, is, and it's in the wording of the announcement in the sense that they're going to prioritise it. So, obviously, at the moment, we don't know what the Champions League group stage is going to look like, but... What they have said is that they're going to prioritise the players that you know appear in uh, where there are English teams who are in their groups or in, in, if it's been a knockout, it'll be in, in the knockout stages. And where I think they've been quite clever there is that you know I, I, I agree with what Charlie said in the sense that it is a bit too early. But if, for example, Spurs were playing Bayern Munich again, I'd have the Spurs players already that I want, but I'd probably be sitting there, and I'm not going to make the joke that Gertie's going to think I'm going to make, but. Um, I'd be sitting there saying, well, actually, if I had a Lewandowski or a Thomas Muller or a Serge Gnabry, that's going to give me a real differential in this tournament because everybody else is going to have Son and Kane and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I'd actually probably be inclined then to spend the money on those players because I think I'd get it back. So I think Charlie's right in the sense they probably need to be quite careful with this. I think how they do it slightly determines what the, you know, it's, it's got to be slightly determined by what the draws look like as well. And if they're clever about it, as I said, they'll look at what the Europa League draws are. They'll look at the Champions League draws and they'll pick their players quite carefully uh, to put them out at auction, you know, uh, in a way that will make people ultimately you know, pay, pay the money for them. Basically. 
Um, so yeah, it's it's got to be they've got to be a bit strategic about it. I do I do have a couple of um, risks that I, I hope they're sort of already aware of really with this because, like you guys have already said, you're hoping that you don't think the prices of these cards will be too high. So what they'll be what they're doing, they're effectively IPOing a lot of cards and auctioning them out, and they'll have to give them out fairly cheaply because we all know they're only useful once a month and blah blah blah. If they get too many out and some of those players end up moving to the Premier League or become more useful later when more leagues are added, then they've effectively sold a load of cars a lot cheaper than what they could have further down the road. So I wouldn't be surprised if they limit it from, from the start. But what that means is that we're back to the point where only a handful of people have got these new cards for these tournaments. And then will the people that have only got Spurs players and they're playing Bayern Munich and we all know what will happen. Uh, and because they can't pick Serge Gnabry, no one enters. So then we're back there. I do think the other fear is that people will value players based on similar ability players rather than how many game weeks you can enter them. So I just see people looking at, say, Serge Gnabry is a great example. He's probably, I'd say, on par with, say, Pulisic or something like that. And people say, oh, Pulisic goes for £20, £25. We should value Serge Gnabry at that. People buy him and then realise that they can't use him in Bundesliga games. In fact, you've only got six or seven times you can use him for the whole season so my big fear is that the market us us users here us the people listening to this podcast uh unfortunately don't realize exactly the player they're buying in terms of their use um so that's my big fear is that the pricing if it's on the same market which is the right thing to do it's just going to be very interesting how players get priced and whether people actually realize what they're they're getting into yeah that's a really interesting point actually it's a really again if Lewandowski comes on now what would I pay for him I'd probably pay up to 30 quid but yeah Aubameyang's what 10 12 so yeah it's a really interesting point sorry Callum I was gonna say the euros would be a factor as well because you know the difference between buying a Lewandowski or a Gnabry versus buying a Neymar or a Di Maria for example is going to be that you know as well as getting your potentially eight or nine Champions League games out one or other of them then if you get the euros as well that becomes a different factor as well but I think the other guy's point is right is do have you got a sufficiently intelligent market for people to know what they're they're buying their long term rather than short term I think you'll be able to pick up quite a few bargains when they get knocked out I bet some people go oh that's it sell sell so I bet you'd be able to pick up some great players for cheap um, when they get knocked out. Um, the really interesting one as well is if a player, a team, a, a better team from the European, let's take Bayern Munich, this won't happen to them, I hope. Uh, I don't think. If they finish third and therefore go down to the Europa League, are their players suddenly worth more because they're going to perform incredibly well? Um, in which case you've got a sort of a weird market where it actually might be more valuable for a player to finish third than their team to finish first or second, especially second if they end up facing a high-rated team. So if Spurs and Bayern Munich, for example, are in the same um, group, you'd actually want Spurs to finish third because you get more goals, more wins from them, hopefully. It's a, it's a fascinating one. And I'm, my fear isn't necessarily that it's not going to make it more fun. It will make it amazing and more interesting to watch. But it's uh, is the market intelligent and ready enough to deal with something like this complicated to begin with? Like It's quite a big change that people, I don't think people have quite grasped yet how much it's going to change the way players are valued. There's quite a few things we don't know about it as well because they've already said that the only way you can get your PPG total is from Premier League matches. So straight away, none of these players are going to get changes. So they'll all be manually assigned and they won't change in the future. So how that's going to impact things because I guess we'll have to move away or at least adapt the current like five legendary players uh, 25 four-star players and that kind of thing. All these, like, yes, yeah, it's a question. Will it be a, a separate market alongside it or will they just be an endless number and footstop just decide what they are based on who they are? Like, it's, yeah, we need to, I, I guess there'll be a, another announcement in a few weeks where they'll, they'll say something and we go, oh, that's a bloody good idea. Yeah, it's 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 difficult to, to judge. Um, I firstly think it's going to add a great element. I do agree. I think the market's probably not intelligent enough, including myself, even Charlie. I've not even thought about potentially a team dropping down to Europa League is actually going to make them more valuable. It's not even crossed my mind. So, um, yeah, in considering that, I'd probably say that we're four quite active users to the casual. Um, yeah, it may be quite a difficult concept to understand. But we will move on to the final part because, again, we've been speaking for about an hour. Um, is it's probably gone under the radar uh, radar they've just casually added on 2.5k to the october monster um that's now been boosted from 7.5k to 10k 
Users finishing first, second or third in October qualifying contests will receive a free entry, so over 252 won. Um, yeah, best of luck hunting down those tickets. So we'll, we'll finish on a, a brief how have we been doing. Um, like I said, this week wasn't particularly fantastic for me. I was saved again by a, a single match pro. And for anyone that's listening that doesn't play single matches, for me, they're, they're amazing. Um, they really give a bit of interest to the game. And, and certainly I found that's my most profitable, profitable route. Um, Gertie, we'll go to you first, obviously, as you weren't on last week. Um, first three weeks of footstock contests. Are you hopeful that the October ticket monsters will be coming your way or have you not had a great start? Yeah, yeah I've had an OK start. I, I was, um, yeah, with, I'm pretty, uh, I don't know, risk averse maybe. So when the Premier League started, I didn't go all gung-ho and into loads of tournaments. I just ended up with silver one and a few beginners. Um, and then I, I think I've, in the first weekend, I think I got my money back. Uh, in the second weekend, um, I think I was at a slight loss, um, but bailed out by the discounted credit I always use to enter. Um, so which means, yeah, you don't need to make your money back anyway. Um, but then I, I managed to come first in an amateur by entering like five teams in the amateur for the first time ever. I thought I'd try covering a few bases. And uh, yeah, first place and then another couple of cash spots. So that, that sorted me right out. But um, but the thing that really gets me going is these uh, chasing these tickets. I really like that. I think during the um, the last one, I entered five beginners every single time chasing them and won two tickets. And I think I'm going to try and move that up to the amateurs now because not only is it already kind of reverse rake, I like to call it, because you've got your discounted credit and you've got zero rake in the tournaments, but they're boosting the pots as well. So I, I don't. I think on average, everyone should be winning. Really, looking at this, this these pots. So yeah, I'm looking forward to those. Yeah. I don't think anybody should ever pay full price for a contest ever again. If you're paying full price for a contest, have a look at yourself and think, right, how can I do this? You can get inactive still for cheaper that you can swap for credit. The deal of the day, just put in a buy order and you're literally giving yourself free credit. And like I said, I mean, I'll, yeah, I must be getting a, a good 20% discount on these on these tournaments. Um, and I say, even the the uh, shout out to Ben and Footstock Chat, uh, welcome Dan B on on Twitter, um, even just their their leaderboard of like how well you're doing or something, it just gives you an extra incentive to enter them. Um, I, I didn't touch beginners and amateurs until last week until they said that, just because you know everyone wants the bragging rights of look at me, how good am I? So yeah, shout out to those guys and obviously this monster ticket. I think I think this will be a regular monthly thing now. I do think it'll be a, a November big tournament i think it just gives that kind of the tickets and people something to strive for um charlie how's your start into the season in terms of contests poor to say the least i think overall um unfortunately i i was uh, i did unbelievably well for me at least between um the restart and uh, the end of the season i think i finished in the cash in about 70 percent of my entries never a win but a really good uh consistent cash finish um and since the restart i've had one win on a singles amateur and sod all else basically i don't think i've i think i've barely finished in the cash elsewhere i always seem to be let down by just one player i was just away from the cash in the game week three pro and Jorginho got me zero points and didn't play. I literally needed 1.1 point from him. Even a sub appearance in a three all draw would have got me enough points. But uh, uh, so it's been a poor start, but I'm I'm going all out for the amateurs this week and next week. Um, and I do love Carabao Cup games. They're absolutely. I'd say I think I enjoy them more than even the proper Premier League games because you get to chuck in your completely rogue, your Yala Malenkos, your Halas, your, your Joe Ellingtons, who scores apparently more goals in a single Carabao Cup game than you can in an entire season. It's just, it's a lot of fun. And uh, so, yeah, I'm going all out from here out. It's just a bit fun, isn't it? Yeah, no, fair play. No, I absolutely agree. The fact that there's contests constantly now as well. I mean, virtual's out for me, but the fact that literally every day that there's a contest is exactly what Footstock should be about. Um, Mark, obviously we heard about your first two weeks before. How was your last week, this this current weekend? How did you get on? Yeah, it was it was mixed, actually. I mean, a, a couple of things based on what, what you guys have said. I mean, I think for, first, the, I, I really like this single game player of the day. I, th- I think it's fantastic. I mean, not least just because I, you know, I won it with the, uh, uh, I forget who it was on Saturday now. I, I actually came second. I had Bruno on set on Saturday and was sitting there thinking, oh, this is terrible. What a stupid thing to do. And then, of course, he popped up with a penalty at the end. So there was a lot of uh, jumping around in my front room at that stage. Uh, and the fact it was against Brighton was even better. Um, but yeah, so really like that one. Uh, really like the singles. Like, like, like you say, I uh, was a bit annoyed last night. I think I, uh, 
I would have had your team actually. I, I had Allison, and then I read on the BBC website that Firmino always scores against Arsenal, so I swapped Allison out, put Firmino in, and uh, ended up coming third, I think, in the end. So, uh, so that was a good one. Definitely agree with the single days. Uh, yeah, on on the I've not done pros for the last couple of weeks, largely just through lack of time. But um, I've been doing right on the the beginners and, and building on what Charlie said. I think one of the things I really like about Carabao Cup and uh, and some of the trading on on a match day is that even if you don't win, you can often make your money back by you know putting a whole load of of players up for sale you know on a Saturday morning you know getting your twenty quid or whatever out of that and then uh, putting that in for for three or four amateur entries or beginners entries etc. So uh, yeah, lots of ways to play the platform and um, but yeah, not after that beginners win of week one of. Not been uh, not been troubling the top end of the uh, the tables, but yeah, we have got virtuals this week, so uh, looking forward to that on Friday. <laughs> yeah, final point actually, I completely forgot that the new single player um, contests. What a great idea that is as well. I mean, I I had Bruno as well on the Saturday. Um, Sunday I went for Son, I think. So obviously that didn't go too well. Um, Charlie, have you entered the single player contest yet? I've been maxing it out. I'm fully maxing this out. It's just, honestly, it's almost more fun than the tournaments, in my opinion. I bloody love it. I'm so addicted to footstock. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. I just love it. It's so much fun, all these new things. I've been uh, chucking in your Robson Canoes. I've been chucking in anyone with a, anyone who plays and has an Ellington or an uh, Eno at the end. They go straight in my team, but I haven't won anything, but it's been a lot of fun. Honestly, I'm so excited for it going forward, um, especially when they do the rake on the bottom end and they do the total prize for number one. Like, I'm going to be chucking in the roguest of players i'm going to be going for your tillemans to score a hat trick against man city uh at home and uh you know it's so much fun first stock's bloody brilliant isn't it we do we joke and we have our complaints but god there's nothing quite like cheering on tillemans to score a 90th minute volley against man city on the like final of the europa league not because anything matters just because you want to see your, your your prize and someone else get their bruno raked the guy who should get the trophy, I have to say, is whoever it was who picked Carl Robinson to come top. It was the, that guy needs his own special footstock trophy. That was amazing, I have to say. It was uh, it was Woody Baggett, so I'm assuming he's a West Brom fan as well. So he's a lot of confidence there. Yeah, um, <laughs> Charlie, you've summed up footstock brilliantly, I think, in, in one image. And um, I was just thinking earlier, I don't think the platform's ever been in a better position. And um, if you can't enjoy footstock now, then it, it's not for you, in my opinion, because it, it is genuine everything that I could want from a platform and somebody's have my money in. Um, Gertie will give you the final word on the single player contest. Have you entered? What's your thoughts? Before I touch on that, I think if, if we ever lose Cammy and he goes somewhere else, then I think Charlie can step up <laughs> and take that role. That was a fantastic little monologue. I really enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, I, I haven't actually entered them yet. I do love the idea, but I had a busy weekend. Like I said already, I didn't uh, enter many tournaments and I think with the first one only being enterable through Slack, I missed it. Um, but yeah, I'll be, I'll be chucking in a player, like Charlie says, especially once the rate comes in and you know that people aren't just going to be entering the top players all the time and it gets a little bit more of a, a game and you've got to try and look at the fixtures and yeah, who, who are these little guys that are going to going to sneak you some cash. Um, they're also going to change it. I thought, well, maybe not definitely, but they're looking at changing it to like a winner takes all. Uh, so then it could be some real big cash if you find that rogue player. And uh, it'd be interesting to look at it really and see how on who would have been the top scorer on all these game weeks because you haven't really got to look far back to think that um, at Michael Antonio, when he scored four goals, bang, he would have absolutely mopped the floor of anyone else and he was pennies at the time. And that, that, that won't be the last. There'll be plenty of those happening every weekend throughout the season. Um, and then if someone has got the, the big the big balls, then they can enter their salary and they'll be probably pick up, I don't know, three or four throughout the season anyway. So, but yeah, I, I think it's a great addition. I will be playing it going forward. Yeah. My final question to you is when are you going to grow some balls and enter the pro? Uh, I have entered a few. I think I, I've entered roughly one a month, um, but I, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. It's just uh, the, the reluctance of not holding some of these new cards is probably slowed me down. So, yeah, if Footstock can, can make everyone a bit cheaper, then I'll, I'll be probably I'll be on board. But I, I would say I'm a bit I'm a bit closer now since I've been uh, getting credit faster than I'm spending it. Um, so my first step is to max out the amateurs, and then once I run out of those to enter, then I'll have to pay pay for the pros. I know what you mean. I'm currently every time I spend like on average probably about two hundred pound a weekend. 
I'll make the, the, the credit back up. I mean, I'm, I'm now just over five grand in credit, which is ridiculous. I'm, I mean, if I could have that in a cash balance now, trust me, I'll take it because I think there's so many opportunities out there. But yeah, I can't spend the credit either, but it just keeps going. It just keeps going up. Um, gents, thank you so much. Um, and I just want to reiterate again what Charlie said, really. I don't think we could be in a better position. Um, well done to Footstock again on on the announcements, on the, the card rarity and everything they do, they seem to just smash it out of the park. Um, Charlie, thank you very much. Been an absolutely amazing guest. Um, you are more than welcome back on at any other time. Absolutely. And you can give us, maybe you can give us a, a proper monologue next time. Maybe you can open the show. Give us a five minute, like, little piece. <laughs> Charlie's 30 second footstock, footstock monologue at the beginning of each week. <laughs> you need to say, basically it depends on whether Liverpool have won or lost 3-0 to Watford when I've been to the match last year the only Premier League match I managed to get to all season was Watford versus Liverpool in my hometown where I live in Watford the only game of the season I managed to get to and we got spanked 3-0 what the bloody hell is this about I've spent my bloody money going to one match a season and it's the only match we lose it was honestly I'll tell you what, if there was this week's results have been in virtuals, there would have been a riot, that is for <laughs> sure, with it, the Leicester City and the West Brom Chelsea and the Man United winning, there would have been a riot. Anyway, um, gents, thank you very much. Everybody that's listened, have a great week and we will speak to you.